Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to this video. What's actually quite interesting about it is that I am conducting an interview for this video. The last, the context is that Last time when I was attending the FCA meeting for Uconnect 5, I still had about five questions that I really wanted to get answered, but unfortunately ran out of time to ask. So this video is me getting those questions answered and showing you what their answers were. So I hope you enjoyed. I actually, when we joined, we actually kind of jumped straight into it because I think they were, you know, they were kind of already talking and we just kind of segued really quickly into it. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, I can try and answer them in the comments below. And if you enjoyed this video, please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Hitting the little notification bell, that way you're notified, and hitting all notifications, that way you're notified every time I upload. Without further ado, here's how the interview went. Yeah. Here you go, Cody. That's our first look at the unit in its operation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> he actually, he and the engineers, and because of the situation, they all have these custom-built little units so they can work on them and, and prove them out. Mm -hmm. So it's basically his like little radio station while he's Dang working. It. It's my boombox in here. I was about to say, kind of reminded me of like a subwoofer or something. So, I'm, I'm stress testing the... Uh, uh, Wireless CarPlay and the Alexa music. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Did you ever think you would have this fun of a job, Vince? I always hoped so, but I guess I <laughs> not. No, I, I guess I didn't think that because, yeah, it's uh, yeah, design's pretty I got, cool. I got a little stud, or story for Vince. Before I knew everybody that worked in the design area, and I, I walked through there and you see these different sketches of these vehicles that could be someday. And they always make them with like these gigantic skateboard wheels that will never ever exist. And the tires are like this thin, and <laughs> there's no way out. There's all those cars that you wish that would be built but never will. And there was one that I thought looked pretty cool, and it was called the Galante. And it was called the Galante because it said Galante across the bottom. That's kind of what I thought. I had no idea that these guys signed their work. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so later on, I meet Vince Galante, and I was like, Galante, what? A Lame name for a new car. That'd be so lame. <laughs> He's attacking my heritage. No. <laughs> Throw him under the bus, why don't you? <laughs> so funny thing. Maybe think of that Cadillac, the Alante. Remember the Alante Cadillac? Yeah. What are, the Mitsubishi Galant? Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. They, um, so funny thing, the reason it's the same, it's the same difference. The big wheels, the low, long cars, the reason we sketch them that way is to get emotion right like mm -hmm. for it but if you think about it I, I don't know how geeky everyone is i'm super geeky so like comic book characters yeah there's a reason they don't draw them with accurate proportions because you look at the comic book and be like oh this guy's wimpy <laughs> Superman know, looks lame. Was a six foot three 240 pound guy he'd look wimpy in a comic book right so they make them like you know they're yeah. instead of being seven heads tall they're ten heads tall and their shoulders are three heads wide and yeah. they're you know a super like diamond shape and it's like the old Justice League Unlimited <laughs> show, though, from the early 2000s, no, so where Batman's just stout as Superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You shape. You can never carry around that much weight. 
So uh, Vince and I were talking about some of your questions, and they're very detail-oriented, so very specific. So he actually did some research to be able to answer them because uh, we figured a phone call might be a heck of a lot easier than him having to type all that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for kids going into computer development, computer systems, coding, what's the best field to go into when trying to break into the automotive infotainment world? Um, there's many avenues. So like I think in some of our discussions we talked about um, something that's so like I'm trained as like a, a traditional transportation designer, traditional car designer. So okay. I went, you, you, you know, everybody goes to art school. Yeah, CSF or CCS. School, yeah, I went to CC, I went to CCS, and I have a traditional transportation background, and we're all trained in um, product design, vehicle design, vehicle packaging, clay mm -hmm. modeling, three dimensional development, uh, and, and so that's that was my path there. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that's interesting about user experience is there's a lot more I mean, we have people that come from entertainment design. We have people oh. that come from mobile and web design. We have people that are product designers. You have people like me that are transportation designers. Mm -hmm. I even have people in the, in the studio that started off getting a psychology background. Really? And they went and got a master in, master's in UX. That's very so, interesting. Because uh, and, and uh, a lot of... Like, I guess one of the core things we look for in designers is the ability to solve problems mm -hmm. and solve problems in ways that we wouldn't think of. Like, I, like when I'm interviewing people, I typically expect, like, they're going to have hot sketches. Like, that, that's like, you got to have that, right? Mm -hmm. But what becomes really interesting in the people we look at, you know, maybe they don't have the hottest sketch of all that we've seen. Still good. Yeah. But they solve the problem in a way like, man, we never, that's a, that's a cool angle. Like, mm -hmm. that's not how I would have done that. And so that's kind of what we're looking for. So... The reason you'll get UX designers with psychology backgrounds is because they're trying to understand behavior, right? Like, yeah. why do people like certain features more than others? Why do they like doing things this way versus that way? It's not always about just um, hearing what they say in like a user test. It's about understanding the behavior and why they did it. Yeah. So you can kind of infer, you know, you can read between the lines. It's not black and white. So you gotta be, so that ability to read between the lines. So I guess to your question about so there, there's multiple, that's what's so cool about UX is there's multiple paths in. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, for me, I mean, they're all, I shouldn't say all, but most of them have artistic backgrounds. Okay. Um, so I think for me, what I always try to tell, like we talked to a lot of elementary school and high school students, we do a lot of outreach. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them uh, the way I kind of did it was try everything. You know, I did figure painting, figure drawing sculpture ceramics product design entertainment design i did it all until i finally zoomed in like you know what i love cars and i love to draw like oh that's a thing let's meld them <laughs> together <laughs> yeah so i think that's what that's the way i always encourage people to get there is try everything because the broader your skill set the better you'll be anyways right so um but it would be an art school so you can go into like ccs has both entertainment design transportation design um Carnegie Mellon has human computer um, interaction design, you know, they have, and they have product design as well. So there's a quite a lot of schools out there. So it's difficult um, to answer exactly what's the best school. There's it's, it's what's, what is that thing that you're looking to do? Yeah. Cause each you school know? has specific classes yeah. that might, that might, they might be famous for that would be. Yeah. But I, I guess I, I would, I would tell them is be open-minded and try everything. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's really be, because you never, because the other thing is like, it, a lot of the a lot of what we're seeing in the industry too isn't just 
well, I got this guy that does that and this guy that does that. Eventually, they all start to build off of each other and learn new skills. So they're all very flexible and they're and adaptable, and they all they all have multiple skills. And they, they may not have gone to school for that, but like me, I didn't go to school for user experience. I went to school mm. for transportation design. But based on a lot of the other skills, looking at trends, looking at research, trying to solve problems again, like yeah. you start to build up these new skills. So they're they're all interrelated, but. I know it's a long-winded answer, but <laughs> that's kind of... The... Well, I'm glad that it's detailed. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. The psychology one's really, really interesting to me, I think particularly. I think that that's, that's kind of an interesting path to go for getting into design, because I guess people have different tap patterns, like, oh, I want to go to this menu and then that menu, or that could even, mm -hmm. even help with, you know, because people go to Walmart, I guess, not for impulse buys, but for value buys, and then they go to Target. So from a UX design, you'd have Dodge with a, a lot of red text and colors and shading and whatever, because performance and more impulse, and then Chrysler would be blue, and then Jeep would be kind of like an earthy green. So psychology, that's that's an interesting path to take into automotive. Yeah. That's They seem so far removed, because one's yeah. people and the other is things, yeah. and you just meld them together in both. Yeah, Quite right. interesting. yeah. That's a, that, and that's a newer path. That's, that's a... That, that's... That that's that's where you're seeing the industry transform. I, I mean, it's yeah, because so. the infotainment stuff's only been around for what since like the mid two thousands, maybe. Yeah, probably oh five, oh four, oh five ish. Yeah, it started to pick up, and then it, yeah, so before it was just radios, and then the <laughs> because I I could have sworn there was a few cars that had some phones that were integrated. Probably like the some of the early S classes of that era had some mm -hmm. level of. In built-in phone technology that yeah it's so i always like looking at the older s classes and just seeing how the technology has trickled down so so much like the heated seats the steering wheels the the radar cruise control and that kind of stuff it's crazy how that car had that technology so 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 many years ago now we have ultimos with radar guided yeah. cruise control just yeah. <laughs> that's the yeah. most that's the funniest part to me about yeah. that tech okay uh let's see what specifically is the Atlantis architecture, and how does it compare to PowerNet? Uh, so the Atlantis architecture, um, when we talked a lot about Uconnect 5 mm -hmm. and how much more powerful it was and how it's connected, it Uconnect 5 isn't just one computer in the car. It's okay. multiple computers that are connected together, working together across the vehicle. So imagine uh, if the Uconnect, if the, if the Uconnect 5, the, the actual computer that we talked about that's five times faster that that stores all the infotainment, run it. Think of that as the, mm -hmm. the brain. Mm -hmm. There's also the, the Atlanta systems, the nervous system. Oh, that, that, okay. That touches the whole car. And some of the things that um, different than PowerNet is, um, it, it, is some of the bandwidth that, mm -hmm. that, that can flow through those. So the veins are bigger. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see. It can, you can you can you can float more information. It it has um, Ethernet connections, more Ethernet connections. Okay. Um. Uh. And and so that that gives us the the ability to free flow information more throughout. So I think that's the that's kind of the the big picture of of the of the Atlantis architecture. That's what makes it um, more flexible, more powerful than what we've had in the the PowerNet before. Okay, it's so funny, it's... Cody. I, I remember when we launched PowerNet, and that was the big thing. <laughs> yeah, yes, PowerNet now, man, and then you now Atlanta's architecture is too. So I can't wait to see what the next one's going to be called. Probably yeah. Galante or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's awesome. 
panning it right now, Vince. Uh, that's funny. I'll have to I'll have to talk to him. See if I got some friends to make that happen. This would be a <laughs> great name. Um, Pacifica to inter well Pacific Ukonai Five make it easier to integrate entertainment apps for kids. So uh, with the Pacifica with the Pacifica the twenty one mile year Pacifica, you will see a, a couple new games okay. in, the, in the rear seats. So um, we are building building that up a little bit. Um, and then as far as future stuff goes, um, you know I can't of course can't say anything specific, yeah. but again android operating system we talk about how flexible that is so yeah. as, as these things come up we'll be able to do more because mm -hmm. that when the, when the pacifica first came out and they were talking about the games that seemed almost kind of radical to me because that was a, a huge that was a huge thing to integrate into an existing system so I'll, yeah. i think back then i kind of wondered what the constraints would be adding such a such a new and different feature to you connect four with it already existing, but I guess considering it was an Android system, and Android phones have a lot of apps, it's not that difficult because you have that nice and simple base yep. to work from. Yep. Part of it too, Cody, is that we have to pay attention to this now. I mean, we're looking at more than half the people out here are considering new card tech before purchase. That we better be paying attention. We better be advancing, and there better be something every single. Every single year, we have to have this advancement that's going on. Yeah. So look for that later on this year, even. Oh, cool. Yeah. Actually, that kind of that kind of reminds me. Do you so for the games for the Pacifica? Do you hire specific game designers for that, or do you have people inside the studio that have the capacity to make Android-based games as well, so you don't outsource the? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But I do. I do have game designers. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, how much time do you spend researching and testing? What angle the screen should sit at? Do you have any shortcuts for speeding up the development process, or do you have to start completely over from scratch and new ideas with new vehicles? Um, I think again, one of the my favorite pieces about working at FCA, and one of the, I think the things that we do really well is we have a variety of different kinds of vehicles. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a Fiat 500. We have um, a Pacifica. We have a Wrangler. We have all these different kind of cars. And the way that you sit in them and the way that they drive and the way that they feel is completely different. So we do, um, we have some like best practices for how we lay out the interiors. Yeah. But we do tune it for every for every single vehicle. So to make sure that it's best for that vehicle and that, because again, I, I know we, we talked in our a, a lot of our presentations, you guys always saw the stuff that was on the screens, but there's all those controls that live around it. Yeah, the redundant right. controls. And yeah, the redundant controls, and those, you know, we have a we have a set of those that we know are the right, you know, kind of the the, the go to ones. Mm -hmm. But some vehicles have like um, like a, a Ram, for instance, has some very specific use cases. So we have to take that into consideration. But we look at, you know, the angle, so that you know it's uh, we look at the angle for sunlight for glare, mm -hmm. uh, what that's sitting at. We look at the angle for. Um, you know, because we do have some cars. Most of the cars are, are kind of perpendicular, like square yeah. to the square to the world. But some of them, like a, a Challenger, is leaned in, mm -hmm. so it's a little bit more driver oriented. We have yeah. we do have best practices for how far to go, um, in that. And so and then we also do have reach, uh, reach studies. So oh, to yeah. make sure that you can that you know wherever that screen is, that it's easy to touch and it's easy to access. Kind of the the opposite side of the screen, right? So. Mm -hmm. Um, we have we have some metrics and some best practices we do, 
Um, but really what it comes down to is we use those as a guide, but we build seating properties of every single car we make. And so we, we get in and out of them, we use them, we try them, we experience them by sitting in them. Um, and we make sure that, you know, the guidelines are one thing, but actually sitting and feeling the car and what it's supposed to be is, is, um, correct. Yeah. I, I saw the new Durango's interior and gotta say, I love it. Looks so, so <laughs> good. What I saw, I think it was on Instagram that they angled Actually, it might have been an article, but they, you guys angled the screen it's like five towards degrees. the driver. Yeah, it's like a five degree difference from the older one. And I looked at the old interior. I was like, oh my, yeah. that is a big difference in how much it's angled. Yeah. Yeah. So we, and, and so we, that was, that's a perfect example of one that we had to sit in it and see what it was going to be like. Right. And mm -hmm. think about the passenger and make sure that they could still use it. You know, it's driver yeah. orientated, but, uh, oriented, but it, it's still, um, so we had to make sure that, that that worked. And, and, and fun fact, we actually did compare it to the Challenger and make sure oh, really? to see. Yeah, just to see, just to see, you know, because that that, that car's awesome, and yeah, uh, people enjoy sitting in it and using it and, and driving it. And so we want it, you know, we'll we'll do a lot. We'll have reference points uh, uh, of, of of how other people are doing stuff, or how we're doing stuff, and other products, and how other people are doing it. So we we do a lot of, um, we spend a lot of time <laughs> doing doing that stuff. Yeah. But, so the guides work as a guide, but they don't. They're not restrictive of free-flowing ideas to change stuff. They just allow you to quick, quickly implement some ideas yeah. that are typically used, the best practices yeah. used across the company. Yeah, I think as designers, we always, I, I always like to, I, I was, when I was designing stuff and what I encourage the guys to do is always, you know, kind of do the bookends, do kind of the solution that in your mind, yep, everybody gets it, it works, and then go too far, right, <laughs> and, and, and push it. And, and what those what those best practices do is help us see how far we push it, right? Like, okay. So they're guide they're guidelines, and we 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 pay close attention to them. But um, it's it really comes down to each vehicle is a little bit different. Yeah, different size of the dash, different width. If it's flat or if it's curved, yeah. Okay, so with over there updates, will you looking to add some fun things into the system like Tesla does with their system? Um, we're always looking to do fun things, so more to come. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know you, you guys love to do the Easter eggs around the cars. Yeah. I'm just kind of wondering if that's going to yeah. migrate its way into the next Uconnect systems. Yeah. Yeah, we, we'll continue to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love the little, um, I love the unique icons for the vehicle. Like the new Pacifica has a specific, yeah. a specific icon. And I'm yep. sure that'll happen for more vehicles down the line. Yeah. And, and I don't know if, uh, did you notice the in the Durango, the, the climate page? I didn't actually. What was in that? Um, the uh, all the you know how we've got the the HVAC guy that you touch and it does the you know upper zone lower zone yeah so he's got a racing helmet oh cool that's a fun so, touch yeah so, so yeah, we'll we'll keep doing we like to have fun so uh, Vince has got to be careful because some of these things he does without permission <laughs> <laughs> if I'm if I'm doing my job right <laughs> yeah um, uh, yeah so we yeah we yeah we definitely. I mean that's the that's the magic of our brands, right? We can have that kind of fun, and I think that's what we always try to. Uh, we're we're going to always try to to do that because mm -hmm. we we do have such. Uh, I, I'm I'm biased, of course, but I think we have such cool brands. I mean that, and so that's one of the ways that we keep them cool. Yeah, I'm biased, um, but I tend to agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, is it safe to assume that unique screen graphics for vehicle trim levels only will be used on really special models, like the 1320? Um, so we'll. What you'll see, we will definitely be doing unique screen graphics um, by brand. 
for mm-hmm. sure. And um, there'll probably there'll be a few ex- exceptions that'll get special things too. Okay, so typical yeah. special editions and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, um, it, it becomes one of the things that's uh, really important to us uh, will be consistency across multiple touch points in mm-hmm. the future. Um, so there won't it won't be like every single trim level, but yeah. when we do have those standout products. We will definitely again we'll, we can we will have fun. Okay, we'll have fun and do something special. Mm-hmm. Uh, does the screen have anti glare film? Yes. Um, our, uh, so our screens do, so like the um, the the Ram uh, mm-hmm. that's on the road today, the Pacifica. Uh, we've been doing that. The Grand Cherokee. So we've we've been doing a lot of these um, bonded screens. So bonded is where you have the screen and then the gla- there's glass that's um, fused to the top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, with all of those, uh, de- and it depends. Again, it gets back to that angle and what's right for the product. But we can use both anti-glare and anti-reflective coatings. Okay. Um, so depending on the vehicle, sometimes anti-glare is better, and sometimes anti-reflective is better. So, yeah. like uh, for instance, if you get a um, if you get like let's say you have um, a really fast windshield and the screen's laid, you know the interior. You have, yeah. You have your screen. We, we probably use a anti-reflective because the anti-glare when the sun hits it, it diffuses and makes the whole screen white. Oh, okay. So we'd u- we would use an anti-reflective in that that scenario to let so that you know it would it would just be a pinpoint, right? Yeah. It it, it would be a really high reflection. So, um, so yes, we do use we use them. Uh, we use them on uh, all the cars. Is that safe to say that, or is it safe to say that that's affected by the greenhouse of the car? So brighter cars might need an anti-glare, and dimmer cars that have a really rakish windshield will need an anti-reflective so that it doesn't just yep. white out the screen. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Um, okay. And then the next two questions, they look like they're um, they're very related. Uh, can you remove or delete user profiles, and can you possibly reset the home screen to default? Uh, yes, for both. Oh, cool. Yeah, great. Yeah, so you ju- you can just go in there and you can you can delete a profile and um, just like our radios today, uh, if you're ready to um, sell the car, you just hit factor reset to factory default and you're good to go. Oh, good. I I imagine that that's in the settings and then somewhere down the line in the menus to do that, so you don't have to go fishing for it. Yep. And then, can you change how soon or how late you connect gives you road directions or is it specific distance? So there's a few different. Um, I have not seen anything in there that can tell you, you know, um, warn me of a turn 200 feet versus 400 feet or something like that. But um, there's three different views. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a 3D, a 2D, uh, and then uh, kind of a combo. And then you can zoom in and out. Uh, so you can you can do some of that. Um, and we w- we do offer in the, the, the new navigation, you'll have both the, you know, if you put it in that, you can have that kind of down the road 3D view yeah. with the route on it. And you will also have um, like a panel that gives you the direction, like the turn by turn direction. Okay. So, yeah. So between those two things, um, I think you you should have the uh, you know you should be you should be prepared for kind of the uh, what's coming, I guess. Okay. I don't know how much gaming you do if you're into rally rally racing, but I play I played like Dirt Three and Dirt Rally, and you can change <laughs> you can change when the when your co-driver tells you when the corner's coming up. So like left four whatever so if you, you can either be right on top of it or it can be a few corners down so i was kind of wondering if that if that's a capability of you connect now or if that might happen later because i think i i think i tend to do like a bit, bit of a medium range because i don't like knowing three corners away because i don't have a good memory yeah. for that yeah. that's always yeah. something that kind of fascinated me in the, in the dirt games is you can you can vary how soon or how late 
you get those those yeah. pace notes. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can pull up a list of like what's upcoming. Okay, it's good to yeah. know. Do you, have, do you have a do you have a chair for that game? I I'd love to, but I don't. I just I have this chair that I'm sitting on, and then the wheel right next to me, and I do that. I haven't I haven't done dirt in a while, but I have I have played a set of Corsa a good bit, and I love that it game. This is amazing to watch, like Ralph and Klaus and some of the other guys in, in Trossel, some of the guys that work in the, in the in the design office, play those games and and figure out the tricks, like things you could never do in a car. Yeah. Grab the wheel and just go like this. <laughs> And for somehow there's a loophole that resets it so you can blow through the turn. Oh, like, that would never work yeah. in a real car, you know? I was just playing Horizon 4 yesterday, and I was going through a speed zone, and someone did a... Someone had the average speed of 147 miles per hour, and it was it was like a like a right three. It was so tight. And so I figured out what the, what they did is they rode the wall at ungodly speeds to get that yeah. and not lose enough <laughs> so I, so i took my bike race yard that i have for kind of for that and i rode the wall and i i did 148 so i managed to beat him <laughs> but i was awesome. like of course they you use the wall right cheat <laughs> That is going to mark the end of the video. I hope you guys enjoyed. Those were my remaining questions. You know, I kind of I kind of pondered between either making this a little bit shorter and cutting it down to just the bare questions or do a bit more of a Joe Rogan thing where we're kind of chatting and we get to some questions in between. Ultimately, as you can tell, I decided on the latter, and I'm, you know, kind of happy about that because we got to the questions and we have a few fun conversations at the beginning, at the end, thrown in and with a few in the middle. But anyway, if you enjoyed and you're listening really wherever, please like the episode, share the episode, follow the podcast, and if you could like and follow, no, like and share the podcast, I'd appreciate that as well. If you're watching or listening on YouTube, then please like, comment, share, and subscribe, hitting the little notification bell, then all notifications that we are notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but don't have or want the Podbean mobile app, well then, hey, boot up wherever you typically get your podcast, type in Cody's Car Conundrum, that's Cody S. Car Conundrum, and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I hope you enjoyed. I'll see you all next time. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.